Antioch, uh, the church, has been uh, very influential in our lives for these many years. It was in 1982, the first time that my wife and I, we traveled. At that time, we were pastoring in Arizona, and um, we were making a decision to move to the East Coast. And we came out in January of that year. Ron Richards picked us up at the airport and brought us uh, to Antioch. It wasn't in this fine facility. It was in a warehouse down the road. And the people were all crazy. Amen. I'm going to let you be seated. And uh, thank you. Thank you for your for the invitation your pastor my that family has had um, an incredible effect upon our life and uh, pastor Barr and his wife um, we share a lot of years together a lot of times in the presence of God and um, laboring in uh, the work um and so I certainly want to give him honor and thank God that he is still pressing forward, looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Amen. And tonight I am uh, especially thrilled to have my wife with me. And I asked the pastor when he asked me if I would uh, um, speak tonight, um, I said, uh, would you mind if I had my wife? My wife has been, in many ways, a silent partner. Uh, the labor, uh, every church we have started, which I think now that number's about five, she has started the children's ministry. She has started the youth ministries. She's taken care of the finances. And um, most of the time without... Uh, without a lot of credit, without a lot of, uh, you know, thanks and praise. But uh, she has, uh, without a doubt, been uh, the strength of my life. Uh, uh, I understand it's Jesus. He was really good to me to give me a great wife. And so I'm going to ask her if she'll come, and um, then she can take as long as she wants don't worry that just <laughs> so. Th this is my wife Linda Staten praise the Lord it's so good to be here with you all been here for many 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 meetings and never have I stood here so <laughs> um, we just recently did a training seminar about five voices and I found out that I'm a nurturer and nurturers make 43% of all people and they never talk <laughs> so that's putting me out of my comfort zone right now <laughs> but I want to echo what my husband said about how much Antioch has meant to us over the years you've been a great support to us when we went to Lexington Park and then when my husband decided to go to D.C., 
he took me with him, kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> no, not really, but anyway, it's hard to let go of 25 years of your life and just walk away. But God had something great to do in D.C., and he's still doing it. And y'all's prayers and financial support has been so much appreciated. And just knowing that we've got people of God who are in our court, and they're there to lift us up in prayer, you don't know how much that means to us. And we thank you. I mean, just because we're not pastoring there anymore doesn't mean we're in, not involved. We're still very much involved in what's going on in D.C., um, as well as Lexington Park and um, Aquasco, Maryland. That's where our kids all are. So we're trying to do our best to support them all in whatever way we can. But just continue to keep us in your prayers. Um, change is never easy, and so especially for some. Some people love change. I, I, I don't. <laughs> okay. I like everything to be routine and set in its place. And so when change comes, it's a little bit difficult. But without change, there's so many things in your life you might miss. So many people in your life you might never meet. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all God has done and is continuing to do with or without me. Yeah, I'm, I'm nobody. He can do it without me. But I'm glad he chose to use me and to however I could. And I'm just so happy to be with you all tonight. And God bless you. You okay? They got you? All right, all right. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate you taking care of my wife there. Um, I know part of this is uh, kind of introduction, uh, kind of reminiscing. Um, it was in 1974. My wife and I were really new converts. I just have to tell, I, I usually tell my story, but I will try to bear, <laughs> kind of tone that down tonight, although I'm still very, very grateful that Jesus saved me, and to know him is the greatest thing that you can know in the world, to know Jesus, to know Jesus. Um, my wife, it was uh, the time, at the time there was a great revival that swept America in the early 70s. And uh, there was uh, uh, hippies, hippies uh, they, in church. They call them Jesus people. And uh, I don't know, maybe you never heard of those. But the Jesus people were, um, they were kind of a, pro a side product of what had happened in the 60s. And uh, there was a great move of the spirit. And people, it was like God was even then breaking barriers to bring us to the place where we are today. And I do have a word from the Lord that I pray that you will hear his voice tonight and receive the word. He could speak, but you have to receive it. And, and I do believe he has given me a word to say. But um, at that time, my, in a, it would have been in a, a March of 71, 72 that my wife uh, started going to a Jesus People Bible study. 
uh, I was lost in the world. And um, I actually went home with a friend of mine who was in the military, went home with a friend of mine to Phoenix where she lived, and his mother arranged for uh, uh, Linda and I to meet. And um, so I was not spiritually awakened. I was not seeking God, or my soul probably was, but I didn't know that. Hello? And um, there's a lot of lost people out there that are hungry for God, but they don't know it. it. There's a lot of people out there seeking God, but they really don't know it. They're just going through life. And um, so when I went to meet Linda, I asked her uh, what she would like to do. Uh, and uh, she said, well, I, I thought we'd go to a Bible study. And I did not have Bible study on my mind. But I went with her to this Bible study. And um, I had been, uh, been, my mother was an apostolic lady uh, who most of my life, um, my mother, all of my life, my mother was uh, an incredible praying lady, an incredible mother, and uh, with great faith. And... Um, so many times in my childhood, she would take me to church in Indianapolis, at Calvary Tabernacle. It was because there were family problems. There was some tough times where uh, back in that time, women didn't drive cars and uh, uh, not very often. And so mom had to learn how to drive because of family problems. And um, she so then to go to church which she was dedicated to, she would uh, get all of us children ready early on Sunday morning and take us down to the city bus stop, and we would ride the bus and then transfer to another bus and then eventually arrive at Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis where Brother Urshan was the pastor. And we would get off of the bus, and there would be the pastor and his wife right, right there uh, to greet us and to welcome us to church, and that was a long time ago. It was actually a time when I think most everybody went to church. I don't mean just apostolic. I mean the people of America had a God consciousness. Now, I'm not telling you we're all saved, but I'm telling there was a God consciousness, and there was a moral fiber, I think, in our nation that somehow, you know, in the last uh, 50 years has deteriorated. But at that time, uh, so... It wasn't that I didn't have opportunity, but I can tell you I'm an eyewitness. It's possible that someone is here tonight and been here your whole life and not know Jesus and not have a desire for Jesus. It's possible for people to be here tonight lost in the house of God. And uh, so as a result, my, my life, then Vietnam came and the draft and... So I ended up going in the service and um, was just, it became a party life. And um, then I met Linda. And um, it wasn't that I changed overnight. But she began to write me letters. And in those letters, at the end of a letter, she would uh, put a scripture verse, uh, Romans 3.23. And I thought she was trying to send me some kind of code, like, I love you. So I had a Bible. It was brand new. I never took it out of the box. I never read it. 
But when Linda sent me a letter, I got the Bible out of the box. And I opened it up to Romans 3.23. And there it said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I, I said, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then a few days later, there was no text message, no emails. Uh, it was snail mail. And every few days, there would be a, ro- uh, a mail call. And uh, um, you might get a letter. You might not. You might get it two weeks late. What, whatever it was, you would get a letter. I would get a letter. And again, another verse at the bottom of that letter. Read Romans 5, 8 to 10. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't, still didn't get it. I don't understand what she is trying to tell me. But one of the things today I can verify to you, there is power in God's word. There is something supernatural in a time where it, the world is shaking. You need to lock yourself in to the word of God. There's something supernatural that can happen just when you take that Bible or, or I guess maybe app and open it up. And read the Bible. I know they got all kinds of versions. uh, But I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He can talk through anything. One time he talked through a donkey. So don't worry about it. Just if God moves on you. You just listen to what he's saying. And uh, and so that was in uh, uh, early. uh, In the spring of uh, 72. And uh, in August of 72. I had an experience with God. Uh, Jesus walked into a bar where I was. I think you find Jesus anywhere. Maybe it's more correct that he finds you anywhere. And he told me it was my time. That scared me to death. I thought that meant I was going to die. I knew mom telling me I need to be ready. But what I now know after all these years, God was working. That night he filled me with the Holy Ghost, changed my life. I didn't have a church for the next six months. I read my Bible, I prayed, I fasted, I didn't have uh, a church, it was uh, overseas, I didn't have a church, but Linda would send me these letters. So here's the way we look at it. Linda, she had a lot to do with my salvation. She not only had a lot to do with my salvation, she's had a lot to do with my children's salvation. She's had a lot to do with all the churches across the country that we started, and any time I brought somebody home to eat, she fixed them a meal. Anytime we had a Bible study, she opened the house. And anytime that we went to church, even when, yes, I said we're going to D.C. And um, I tell you, she cried for six months. That's the truth. We had been in Lexington Park for 25 years. We love those people. And I would like to tell you that God just spoke to me and it was all that romantic go to D.C., but it wasn't. I actually, I had a different way of thinking. I couldn't comprehend how the United Pentecostal Church was not sending people to reach the lost. I just couldn't grasp that. And so I did it more like kind of an attitude. Like, we can do this. Come on, wake up. We can do this. Come on, church, wake up. Revival is on the way. Harvest is on the way. And... um, so uh, the people that we began to teach Bible studies to, and they, 
they knew she was weeping. They thought she was weeping for their salvation. Oh, she probably was. <laughs> kind of. No, she was. Let me tell you, there's verses in the Bible that, let me tell you, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless return, bringing his sheaves with him. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to get tears. Hello, I tell you, and there's something, if you want to know where Jesus is at tonight, find some place that's broken, and you'll find Jesus somewhere in the shadows of that life. He cares about broken people, broken families, a broken world. So, um, anyway, that's kind of where we're at. She is still, she's here with me tonight, and uh, we're grateful. I can't say thank you enough, so I started to tell you in 74 then, two years after that, and we had, I'd come home, we got married uh, like 13 days after i come home from Nam, and we got married, and uh, um, I, long story with it, won't go to it, but we ended up going to Bible college uh, because I met some guys in an airport who told me, you need to come to this Bible school. They thought I was a real freak. Um, I was like, how many of you have ever met new converts outside of church? Hello? <laughs> well, that's what I was. And these men probably thought that I had lost my mind. But they gave me a card and invited me to come to Bible school. It was back then, it was Western Apostolic Bible College located in Stockton, California. We got married, and three days later, my wife had never been in an apostolic service. Um, and we walked into the church there on Cherokee Lane in Stockton, California, Pastor Kenneth Haney. He had just recently become the pastor because his father was killed in a hunting accident, and he was called home to take the pastorate of that church. And I know, here, here's the thing, you got to know that God has a plan. God, there are no surprises with God. God knows what he's doing, and God put us under the influence of Kenneth Haney, maybe one of the most pro prolific soul winners and minds for evangelism that I have ever known. And uh, he involved us in uh, he, it, just the spirit of that church. It's just like when the first time we came to Antioch those years ago when I said all the people were crazy. There was such an evangelistic spirit in this church. Hello, that's where you say Hallelujah. Yeah, like there's some of you here, you may be the children of some of those people or maybe even the grandchildren of some of those people who was there in 74. But I promise you, this church wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for the move of God in 74. And I looked around to see if I saw familiar faces. I saw a few with gray hair. said, I think I might know them. Uh, um, hello? <laughs> And, um, and, of course, the influence of this church that now certainly is, uh, I understand, like three different or maybe even four different Antiochs uh, at different locations. But um, this, I don't know, this is like the mother. Hello? This is like the mother. And God is still going to bless this church. And I'm going to talk to us about that tonight. Um, recently... It's been a, a, I don't know, it's been a difficult time for me because we've been transitioning. Somehow I woke up one day and I was old. Hello. 
And uh, I, uh, my wife had said to me, and she, uh, in that, in her kind of justification for it, she, we went through three years where she fell and broke her leg, and then she fell and broke her shoulder, and then she had a heart attack. So then we're driving down the road one day, stopped at a stoplight, and she said, I'm done. I'm, I can't do it anymore. And so at that point, even though I was, I fought it and uh, did not want to uh, um, retire, um, I realized that we needed to make some changes. And uh, at that time, I thought I was still energetic. And, um, and what, what I found, I went out of town and left the young people in charge. And when I watched it online, I realized, my God, these young people need to take over. Hello? We need the energy of youth. I noticed you have a good group of youth here. And we need the energy of youth. And we need to not only inspire, we need to empower them. Because I'm going to say this again. You're going to hear me say this several times tonight. The harvest that's about to come is going to blow your minds. It's going to blow the church's minds. They're going to come from every culture. We, we preached at a little church out in the country this morning. And it wasn't a large crowd. But uh, two young ladies walked in. One of them could speak English and the other one couldn't. And they were they are from Brazil. And they drove out in the country looking for a little church. And just showed up today with no invitation. Hello. But God brought them in. They said, this is where we belong. The one little girl speaks Portuguese and the other girl had to translate for her. And I'll just say this. You may not like it. You may not like the fact that 21 million people in recent times have crossed our borders and are now here. And I know there's a lot of bad things that goes with it. But I personally believe God is still in control. God is in charge. Even if I don't like it, God is still the one calling the shots. And they are coming from the north and the south and the east and the west. They're coming from every tribe and every tongue. And get ready, Antioch, because they're going to come in these doors. They're going to meet you on your jobs. You're going to see them in grocery stores. They're going to feel the Holy Ghost that resides within you. And the ultimate purpose... Of God is salvation. 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 People coming to know not just salvation, but so great salvation. An incredible salvation. That the Spirit of God comes to live within us when you can't do, when you're powerless to do what you ought to do. God can put His Spirit in you and cause you to rise up and do things you never dreamed you would do. Yes, yes. And I just say this without going in. That's my testimony. I, I could not do it on my own. I say that's really all of our testimony. Even if we think we can, we cannot. Knowledge is, yes, we need knowledge, but knowledge is not the greatest the greatest thing that can come and live within you is the spirit of the living God. The very presence of God that we have such an opportunity here tonight 
to come in. And if we will allow ourselves to feel after him, we will find him near, very near, urging you on, compelling you. Come and let God pour his spirit into you. I just... In the last three days, I've heard of two particular locations where there was a move of God. In both of those situations, more than 80 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In each of those situations, I'm telling you, there's coming not only the people coming, they're going to be drawn by God. And there's not going to be an empty seat in this room. And they're going to come seeking God. And they're going to feel God. And they're going to look at you and wonder, why is it? How can you just sit here knowing what you have living within you? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, they're going to come by cultures, many cultures. We have been privileged in the last, since we went uh, to D.C., it don't seem like it, but it's been uh, 17, maybe close to 18 years now that we have. How in the world did time get by that fast? But it's the truth. And we saw, we have baptized Buddhists and Hindus. Don't tell me they don't want God. They just don't know who he is. And I'm telling you, God's got to open your thinking. God's got to open your heart so you can welcome and embrace people from every walk of life. Um, Right now, our Spanish pastor has a Bible study in the heart of D.C. in Mount Pleasant with 21 lesbians. Hello. 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 Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And Paul said, and such were some of you. We were lost in chains of darkness and sin. Oh, we may have hit it. Our hearts were filled with anger, maybe bitterness in our mouths with cussing and, hello, negative. And we were not speaking the things of God. But then Jesus came and Jesus put his spirit within us. And I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. We must become wiser. We must become wiser. We must become wiser at reaching the lost. We must, we must, we must. This is not optional. You say, well, I'm an introvert. Then you need to go to an altar and stay there until you become an extrovert. Hello? Uh, quit making excuses. Hello? And respond to the Spirit. And there is no sinner too far gone. None, none, none. Uh, so many things uh, along with it, along this way that I really want to impress upon you. I want to inspire you tonight. I pray in these next three hours that that I will not put you to sleep, <laughs> but that I will inspire you somehow. The one thing that has changed in our ministry because. I didn't realize because we had pastored or started churches for these last 51 years. And now we kind of turned those over to, um, to others. The Spanish church we started, we turned that to a Spanish speaker. Um, when we first started, I even hired a girl from uh, Georgetown University, a Catholic girl, to come and translate for us. Because I figure if she'll just say what I say, people will get the Holy Ghost. And we saw it happen and the church grew. And then we turned that to a Spanish pastor. And then the mother church. Well, in that church some years ago, 
uh, young man walked through the door and came to the altar and received the Holy Ghost. And today, he's the pastor of that church. Because there are some of you here that God's plan for you is bigger. God's desire for you is greater. God's vision for you is more than where you are. And I think in every generation, there have been those who could have been more. But there's never been an hour like this where you must be more. So, okay, I have some scripture because that's what we should do. I have, I'm going to use a biblical story found in the Old Testament as my context uh, for in context for my message found in the book of second kings chapter four in that chapter chapter four there are about five no uh, incredible miracles performed by the prophet elisha um i'm not going to go into each of those miracles but if you'll take it in this context that elisha was in this story he was just doing what elisha did He was living, so to speak, for him, an average life. Um, He had been granted uh, from the prophet Elijah the mantle. And as a result, there would be a double portion of the miraculous power that had been upon Elijah that now rested upon Elisha. And I'm telling you, it's like... Uh, Yes, I thank God for the Elijah generation. I don't want anybody to think that I don't respect those that have gone before us and talked to us and uh, inspired us and trained us. But I'm telling you, this must become the Elisha generation. This must become the not just the Joshua generation, not just the Elijah generation, but the Elisha generation where we pick up the mantle and we recognize that a double portion of the Spirit of God is necessary at the time that we are living in. Y'all feel God? How do you know what I'm talking about? Feel God. I'll, I'll tell you a story. There was a, a couple that I met some years ago at a training seminar, not so many years ago. And um, I walked over the table. You could tell that they kind of had a had come from a kind of a rough background. And just being who I am, I walked over to that table and said, I'll bet there's some stories at this table. And um, so uh, the one man sitting there said to me, he said, well, this is this is my wife. And she used to be a stripper. Uh, anyway, I won't go into all that. We kind of joked around a little bit. And, and then uh, uh, she had written a book, and I read her little book. The title of the book is Stripped. And um, today they pastor an incredible church in Canada. But her story is this, that uh, she, at the age of six, was introduced to pornography Unfortunately, that's not an uncommon story today. I wish it was, but it's not. And, uh, and so uh, in her, she, she looked from, in her book, she tells the story how she looked at naked people a different way. She thought, look at these beautiful people. She's six years old, comes from a very, very bad background, a broken life of poverty and uh, abuse and uh, misuse and uh, but she began to look at the pornography she found it 
in her father's truck and began to look through the pornography and it began to put within her the desire to become a stripper. And that's hard, I don't know, but that's hard to comprehend. But it happened. And so she was working in a strip club when there was a pastor's son who was backslid. And he came to the strip club. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God, help us. Hello? And uh, he saw this girl, um, the stripper, and uh, he something happened inside me. He liked that girl. And so that day, she walked out of the club with him, and they were doing drugs the next year. They traveled from city to city doing drugs, and then they ended up back in the hometown where his father pastored, and he was a mess. She was a mess. I don't know if you can comprehend that because it's, I don't know if I could comprehend it, how that here's a life, a whole life that's been given over to sin and just hard for me to comprehend because people don't even know what sin is anymore. So that girl um, and that guy, they come back and now they're in bad shape. They got no money. They got no drugs. And uh, the young man had previously done construction work. And he saw a man, man that he used to work with. And he asked the man, would you let, lend me your tools so I can make a little money for us? And the man didn't even go to church. I'm telling you, you got to comprehend God is working. Because that man said, that, he said, I'll tell you what. If you'll go to church tomorrow, that guy don't even go to church. He said, but if you'll go to church tomorrow and take that little girl with you to church tomorrow, I'll let you use my tools on Monday. So the next day, he took that little girl. She'd never been in a church, any kind of church before in her life. But that day, they went to this church and they sat on the back row. And all of a sudden, the presence of God began to move. And that young man was sitting there and that girl, she began to feel the presence of God for the first time in her life. And she began to weep, and she said to him, what is this? What is this? And the young man said, that's the presence of God. And she said, you know that? You felt this before? He said, I grew up with it. She said, how could you ever leave this? She ran to the altar, repented of her sins, not not knowing, not knowing. You understand, this was not just knowledge. She was experiencing God. Oh, I pray that the church, even with all of our knowledge, will experience God. We don't need just knowledge. We need to walk with Jesus. So that little girl, she uh, received the Holy Ghost. Her life began to change. They got married. Of course, he prayed through. They went to church. Her life began to turn around. And one day, God spoke to her and said, give your testimony. And she said, there ain't no way I'm giving my testimony. These people here all think I'm a good person. They don't know how bad I've been. And God spoke to her and said, you either tell your testimony or I will strip you. 
So she told her testimony. They advertised in the community that she was going to tell her testimony. And people from the strip club came to hear her give her testimony. Her family that had been so bad and so broken, they came to hear the testimony. And by the hundreds, they began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay, let's look at our scripture. I just wanted to tell you that story. It's been an incredible story. To this day, they pastor in uh, Canada, have an incredible church. They, uh, they give. They give of their time and their efforts and their money. They have had the largest offering for mis- giving to missions in the last few years, every year. And part of it is because she is so grateful that Jesus saved her. You know, Thanksgiving will do something for you. I I know so many things I want to say. And I've thought about this now that I'm not preaching from a pastor's perspective. Hello, because I'm not the pastor anymore. So I don't have that burden of a pastor. I can tell you all the things I've wanted to tell you. Hello? I've thought about it. What are the things that I would tell people that... What I should have emphasized when I was pastoring. I would spend time talking to you about prayer. Now, I don't mean just you talking to God. I mean get developing an ear where you can hear God. Where you can respond to God and love God. I would talk to you more about communication with God. I would talk to you about you and your relationship with God. I would talk to you about your money. That's a hard thing sometimes for preachers to talk to you about your money. But before I leave here tonight, I want to get every dollar you got. I'm kidding. Well, kind of not. The world has made us fearful to say some things because they tell them that the church is only after your money. But today, tonight, I want to talk to us, and I am going to talk a bit about not just not money in the sense of dollars and cents but money in the sense of the medium of exchange that's what faith is your medium of exchange in heaven hello your trust in god is your medium of exchange and sometimes it does involve your wallet when you're when you're so tight you cannot give to god you cannot receive because the bible says give and you hello and we got stingy folks in church I've always wanted to say that. But now that I'm not the pastor, I can say it. (laughs) And I'm not the pastor here. (laughs) Second Kings chapter four. Verse uh, uh, let's read eight, nine and ten. Okay. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem where there was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table 
and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Uh, This story is an incredible story. I'm going to try and do my best to use this story to minister to us. And I pray that you will hear, hear, hear truly what God is trying to say to his church, not just Antioch. And that is you must make preparation for the harvest is about to come. You must make preparation for the harvest that is about to come. And um, to, to be ready, it's uh, kind of this story here. So this woman, it doesn't give her name in the Bible. She is actually just referred to as the Shunammite woman. She was a woman, a great woman, it says, from Shunam. And um, the word Shunem, I looked this up, it means uh, uh, the place of rest. Actually, two places of rest. It's a place of rest. And this prophet who was giving out of himself continually was passing through the countryside of Shunem when he was invited by, maybe she was called great, Because she saw the need of the man of God. She saw the need of the church. She saw the need that was on the horizon. And she responded by preparing a place. She was getting ready for the future. Only she really didn't know the future. She simply really understood this was a holy man. This was a, I don't know how you pass by, but that's a holy man. But that's what happened. And uh, one, one uh, commentator said that it was like she and her husband built, say, maybe a cafe on their front porch just for that prophet and his servant. Uh, but uh, they would come. They would come continuously. There was a cafe where they would come to eat in Shunem, and they would have a little bit of rest. And one day she says to her husband, Let, let's build a room for the prophet. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, your pastor's not here, so I have the freedom to say this. You, you ought to be listening to the Holy Ghost about how to treat your pastor in good ways. Good ways. Yes, yes. Matter of fact, sometimes, um, and I, I'm, I'm sure you do, but sometimes it isn't just what the pastor needs. It's what you need. It's like God wants you to give, so you're creating space for God to give you more. As long as you're filled with self, God can give you nothing. And sometimes it's not based upon all that you have. Sometimes faith is based upon what you don't have, but you give it anyway. So, these... They build this room, and this room, she said, be sure you put in there a bed, a table, a chair, and a candlestick. Make sure, and, and actually, we could go in, I could go into detail, and, uh, but I'm not going to for sake of time. But she was really talking about building a relationship. Let me tell you something. There's going to come a day when you're going to need your relationship with God. Uh, that, that's not just prophecy about well, I know the world's not looking so good out there, and I'm not prophesying. I do believe we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord. And I do believe that people sit in churches and don't build their relationship with God. Oftentimes what can be done is we are concerned about our people seeing us. Hello. 
But I'm telling you, I'm here tonight. God's going to talk to you. Will you hear what he's saying? He's saying you need to work on the relationship that you have with God right now. God wants you to work on your relationship with him. Because in the near future, there's going to be a time when what will save you, what will keep you, is your relationship with God. And that relationship requires of us sacrifice. Not just God giving to us, but us giving to God. Giving to God. Giving ourselves to God. And, uh, and so this, this woman, she, uh, she just, it was in her heart. She had a godliness. She recognized a holy man of God. And so they built this room. And the prophet then says to his servant, what, what can we do for this woman? She is done, it's kind of like God, you know. There are many stories like this in the Bible where the king or someone of authority recognizes someone like the story of Esther recognizes somewhere that, uh, wow, somebody hasn't, hasn't been, more needs to be done for them because they have given of themselves. And, and so the prophet says uh, to the woman, actually says to his servant, go find out what is it we can do for this woman. She has been so kind to me. She has provided for me. Go find out what, what we can do. And this is an important part whether I stumble over my words and am effective or not, I don't know. But this is an important part of what I feel God wants to speak to the church, not just Antioch, but globally. Listen, she said, that the servant comes back and says, you know what? She's kind of old. Her husband's definitely older than her, and they don't have any children. Hello? Now, children have a representation here. And so the prophet He says to this woman, he said, a year from now, about this time, you're going to be pregnant. And she said, don't you lie to me. She hasn't even dared hope there could ever be a child. She hasn't had the faith. The child represents future. The child, the children that walk into this church represent the future of this church. The young people that are here worshiping, they represent the future of this church. And uh, she said, don't lie to me. And uh, so then, sure enough, a year later, hello, surprise, surprise, surprise. She had a baby boy. And uh, in the commentators, they say that it was like maybe 12, 13 years now pass. And the little boy gets, he's out in the field with his father and uh, maybe a sunstroke. There's speculation about what happened. What we do know is he got sick. He got sick. The future was in danger. See, you got to think a little bit. Let God get some creative juices flowing. The future is in danger. And that, that little boy, whatever, 12, 13 years old, the lad, he began to cry out to his father, my head, my head. He was having... Whatever it was, he was having a problem. And the father, he says to the servant, get get him, take him right way to his mother. (laughs) That's what we men do. (laughs) Take him to mama. Mama's got the answer. Mama will fix it. Hello, There's a whole lesson in that as well. Because the mother represents the church. Take him to church. Take him to church. Oh, I wish I could preach hours on that subject. 
take them to church. We're living in a time where through COVID and all the rest of it, the world has tried to rob us of going to church. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that can ever happen in your life can happen in church. It's where community and relationships with one another, people of like precious faith, we build relationships. When I come to Antioch, I think of people that have gone on that I remember. I remember how kind they were to me at this church. I remember Sean Whaley and how kind he was to me. And I remember Ron Richards. And there are others that were integral part, part members of this body, of this family at Antioch. And I know time just changes things. Oh, my Lord. Now it's a whole new group. And I don't know your names, but you're here. And God placing you in the body. That's what it says. Fitly framed in the body. Because God has a great thing ahead. I want to emphasize that. Listen, the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen is on the horizon. They're going to come. They're going to come. The question is not will they come. The question is will the church be ready to minister to them when they walk through the doors? Yes, or when you meet them in the streets, in your neighborhood, what will our love level be? Will we be able to love those? Uh, Hello, that's... God working, God working, God working. And so, uh, sure enough, that little boy, he gets home, he, he dies. And the mother takes him in to the room where she had prepared for the prophet. Hello? She, the place she had prepare, prepared for relationship is where she took her problem I, I, I wish I could be effective at telling you there's another reason why you must prepare for the future. It's because we have no idea what's about to come down the pike for our world. We have no idea what's going to come. The question is, will we have prepared? Will we have built a space in our life for God to occupy? Or will we be so filled up with self that God cannot occupy us? So they brought the little boy in, and he died. And she told him, go lay him on the bed, the prophet's bed, the place we prepared for the prophet. Hey, I, I, again, I'm just trying to emphasize some things that you may not even realize. You may have a space over here. I, you know, I go to churches that I've been a part of, and I have familiar places that I remember. Oh, it was there that I wept. It was there that I prayed over. Oh, that was there that I remember Jim was delivered. And it was there that I remember that Susie gave her life to Jesus Christ. When I walk and pray, I'm not just thinking about give me, give me, give me. I'm thinking, oh, God, I remember the relationships that you have built at Antioch. I remember the relationships and the word that's been preached and the pastors that have given themselves and the people of God that when we had very little money in D.C., Antioch sent us money. Yes, yes. You may not have even known that. They give people, they give money to missions works all the time out of Antioch. And you may not realize it, but sometimes it came just in the nick of time. Just in time, we was able to buy what we needed. We was able to finish or complete a work that God had started because there were people here who gave. Gave. I'm just... I want to stretch you tonight. I'm going to, I am going to talk about money because money is just, hello, hello. It's a part of, it's like your wallet. You can preach about everything, preacher, but don't talk about my wallet. You can preach about everything, 
But don't talk about money and giving money. I'm going to tell you something. You read the book of Acts. You get all the way past Acts chapter 2 and 3. Where, right, people, 3,000 3, and then 5,000 were headed. We get past that and we go get over to Acts chapter 5. And uh, I believe it's actually the end of chapter 4 where it talks about how the church came and they gave their all. They gave food. They gave money. They gave everything. Some people went out and sold their houses and gave their money to the apostles so they could do the work of God. So I am here to talk about your money. What they didn't know in chapter, the end of chapter 5, persecution comes to the church. See, you don't know. You think you're holding on to that and God's saying you might as well let go of it and give it to the work of God because the enemy's coming to take it. And then there's another effect of it. How, see, the capacity for this church to grow, you might think it's in the empty chairs. Like, look at it. It's a great opportunity to grow. we got all these empty chairs. Isn't that great? Hello? In other words, you've got to have a new way of thinking. You've got to think, oh, look at this. God is preparing to bring the harvest in. I see all the empty chairs. They're going to come, brother. They're going to come. They're going to come. I wish I could emphasize that so much to you tonight that it wouldn't shock you when they begin to walk through the doors and they come from other religions and they come from other cultures. They come from backgrounds. Sometimes they come with their anger. Sometimes they come with their defeat and their despair. Sometimes they come with their addictions. Sometimes they come from broken families and broken lives. But the church has to be a place where they are made to feel welcome and wanted. And I'm, I know that Antioch has consistently, over these years, I started to, I never finished the story that in 74, when my wife and I, for the, we went to a conference, and uh, we were so young, still new converts, but we went all the way across the country to a conference, and we're walking down this hallway, and they were advertising for people to come and start churches on the East Coast because there were very few Pentecostal churches on the East Coast at that time. And lo and behold, we stepped up and I showed my wife. I said, look there on that map. That's where I was stationed when I was on the East Coast in the military, Pax River, Maryland. About that time, a man I never met before stepped over. His name was Chester Wright. And he reached over to us and he said, that's your city, young man. It's waiting on you. That city's waiting on you to come and plant a church. And it was nine years later that I saw him again in another conference. And at that point, God says, now's the time. And that was in, uh, I believe it was spring of 82, that we moved all the way across, packed up the kids. Hello, packed up the babies. Hello. Got in a U-Haul truck. Drove all the way across the country. Didn't have a place to live, but we watched God miraculously move and open door. We didn't have a house to live in. I tried to find one. We flew out here. Brother Wright flew us out here. We stayed in their home. And um, we went down to southern Maryland. And we began to look for a place. We couldn't find a place to live. And um, uh, Antioch actually paid rent for us to rent a house. But I, we didn't find one right away. Real estate agent. I called this real estate agent. She said, I got the place for you. I said, I don't have time to look look at it, so we'll just take it. 
We never looked at it. We sent him a little money that Brother Wright gave us, and it was like, uh, I don't know, two months less than that. It was six weeks or so later that we drove across country and we moved into that little house that God provided and God used Antioch to provide. I can't, I'm not just uh, applauding this church. I'm telling you there's a work of God and they couldn't have, they, you all could not, if there hadn't been givers, we would never have been prepared to receive. And sure enough, we moved into Lexington Park and started that work uh, Brother Barr spoke of, and uh, uh, there were people from Antioch. Uh, mil- they had such a revival. How many of you have ever heard about that? They had a great revival here. Did you know that? I mean, it was from the academy. All those midshipmen that came, some of them, I saw Brother you here tonight, but there was many of them, right, Brother? brother many of them came. We played ball and beat them, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, not every time, but we did have our share because we were very competitive. And every, almost every Saturday in those early years, Bishop Wright would have a training had to start churches and how to reach people. And we would drive up here and they would feed us and then they would teach us and we'd go back home and we'd try to put together and do what we had been instructed to do. And God added to the church. And today they run about 300 in that church. But it wasn't always that way. Remember? It wasn't always that way. Sometimes we barely had the lights turned on. Hello? But God provided. And he did it through his people. So I want to kind of wrap this up by saying. Tonight. I, I, I'm asking you to give. I, I'm going to ask the ushers. I told the pastor I might do this. He said, whatever. We need, we need a revelation to happen to the church that this is not a bad thing to ask for money. Hello. That's where you're supposed to say amen. Yeah, yeah. It's not about, I don't have a special, I'm not, this money's not for me. I don't have a special offering to take it. Maybe you want to give it for your pastor. That's a good thing too. I'm just telling you, if you can get this in your mind, you're preparing that for the harvest that's just ahead. And that means, yes, you're going to have to give in order to receive. That's where you say amen. amen. You give. You reach inside. So, well, I only got a dollar. Give it. It isn't about, we're not going to measure how much you gave. I'm just telling you, in order to be ready for the harvest that could start tomorrow, you don't know when they're going to come. You don't know who it's going to be that walks through that door. Those people you prayed for for years whose hearts been so hard, they could wake up the night and say, have a dream, and God draw them. Muslims are going to come. They're going to have dreams about Jesus. And we've got to have a heart that's open and receptive. So you've got to give, give, give in order that God may give to you. So uh, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to where are those ushers? Bring those buckets and come up here. Just stand up here. Hello, would you all stand with me? I, I, only the Holy Ghost knows if I've done a good job. You know that. Only the Holy Ghost knows. But I'm telling you, some of you have fasted and prayed for the lost. You have children that are lost. My mother prayed a lot of years for me. My family, some of my family, they would say to my mom, there ain't no hope for him. Once an addict, always an addict. Hello, I'm sure glad Jesus showed up. 
I'm sure glad that Jesus showed up. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Hello? And, and, and in one way or another, I know it's not all just money, but I, I've done this like three times recently at churches much smaller than this, much smaller than this, and had thousands of dollars given. Not because cause I'm not after your money in the sense of what it's going to do for me. I'm telling you, if you want to see harvest, you're going to have to reach inside of you and begin to give of yourself in ways. Hello? Yeah. And you may be a guest here tonight, and you sure didn't want to hear no preacher talk to you about money. Let me tell you, you prepare room in your heart like that woman. She prepared room in her heart for the trouble that was down the road. She did not know. Matter of fact, she said, don't lie to me, preacher. And that baby died. That boy died. When the man of God came back. Listen, that's the other thing. That was really relationship. If I can impress that on you. It was about relationship. When, she, when the problem came, instead of running away, she ran. You can read it in the scripture. She ran to where the relationship, so to speak, with God had been nurtured. And I say this to every one of you. You're not, gonna, you're not going to escape, escape problems. Problems are real and they happen to us all. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. trouble. Troubles are real. And sometimes broke is real. Sometimes bad things happen in life. But I'm telling you tonight, according to God's word, what will prepare you for the troubles that are in your future is your relationship with God. And in order to have that relationship with God, it's not how much God gave to you. It's how much of you, you emptied out so God could put of himself in you. Yeah. So I need those ushers to come and stand right here. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask of you to sacrifice tonight. Um, I don't know if I, it, probably if I'd have thought it through, we'd have had, uh, you know, a little pledge card so you could pledge. Because I don't think necessarily everybody, we don't carry cash. I have no cash on me. But maybe they have a way you can text. There it is. They got it right there. Text my Antioch. All right. So I'm asking you, if you want to give cash, you can bring it. You want to write a check, I think we still do that. You could, you could bring a check. But I want to pray. And I want to pray this way, and I want you to pray with me. I've been witnessing to some friends in, in Lexington Park. In the last six months, I started, I started, whatever, we started a program for reaching heroin addicts. And hello, and... Uh, and we've seen, we've seen God. It's not, it, it, we're not wowing the world, but we've seen two families come in that were heroin addicts six months ago. But today they're sitting on the front row in an apostolic church. And yes, yes, God is changing their life. And it wasn't because we have all the answers and know how to do it. We said we just must give of ourselves and stretch out and do something we haven't done before. And the people have begun to come. Broken families, broken lives, people grieving who lost family members during COVID. They have begun to come to the broken program and God is healing their life. Now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray you will touch the hearts of everyone here just like you touched the heart of that Shunammite woman. I ask you, Lord, to touch the hearts, O oh God, of people that they will see that tonight they are giving for the future because they're going to come. They're going to come. They're going to come. Oh, God, would you impress upon the hearts of the people that I know they may have come here tonight with their own problem, but Job, his problems turned when he began to pray, hello, for his friends. I'm telling you, they're going to come. They're going to come. Hello, they're going to come. And this is not new to Antioch. Antioch has had generations that are represented here tonight. And they have come. They have come. And they're still coming. My, this city has grown so much. There's so many people that live here now. Just not, not just in, in, in Annapolis, but the surrounding area. Arnold and my, so many people. And uh, you can advertise social media. You can advertise. I guess they, they probably don't do newspapers anymore. Uh, but you can advertise. But there's nothing like God waking somebody up in the middle of the night. A grandson, a son, someone who maybe has had a brush with Pentecost somewhere in their past. And God can touch their heart. And they decide, I see that building sitting up on a hill and I understand that that church is kind of, well, it's talked about. But I'm telling you, God will begin to draw them and they're going to come. Yes, going to be revival among the Asians. going to be a revival among, hello, among the Koreans and the Chinese and the, hello, going to be a revival. Let me tell you a story. One day, I have these things happen when I fly on airplanes. I meet people. And... Uh, one day, I had to fly to Canada to preach, and uh, actually, I didn't want to go. The pastor called me and said, you have to come. He said, God told me you need to come, and uh, I, I really had no desire to go. I was tired, but I said, okay, I'll come, and I packed a little bag with some books to read and some snacks to take on the airplane, and I thought, well, at least I'll get on this airplane, and I'll relax. And I'll get some rest and I'll read some. And I got, uh, I was standing in the line in the queue there at the airport waiting my turn. And all of a sudden a little Asian girl, a little Japanese girl I know now, she came and stood in front of me. And she just stood around and looked at me, just kept looking up at me. I was like, hello. I was like, hello. Uh, didn't say a word. When they opened up the door and they began to get us on the plane. I went to my seat. The plane filled up. There was one empty seat. They shut the door, ready to taxi off. And then they stopped. They opened up the door. And here come that little girl. And they set her right next to me. And, you know, I kind of, just me, I just feel like, okay, God's doing something here. So uh, that little girl, she said to me, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And she said, what's a pastor? Hello? So I really didn't know what to say. Like, how do you tell somebody that don't know what a pastor is, what a pastor is? I just said, well, I work with people. And I had an inspiration. I took my phone out, and I began to scroll through the pictures of the people at the church in D.C. I began to, she began to look at these pictures, and I looked over at her. Tears were streaming down her face. I said, honey, what's the matter? She said, all of those people, they were happy people. I have never seen happy people before. 
I knew it was my moment. I don't know. I can't tell you the future. But that little girl, she has stayed in touch with me over these years. She'll text me. She lives in Japan. I've sent, tried to send missionaries there. I don't know if anybody's connected with But I do know on that day, at that moment, God connected me with that little girl to make an impression that there is a God that she can pray to. And there's a God that loves her. I've had several experiences like that where God will set me. I've come to the place where I just call them my assignments. I get my assignments. I find them all over. Could be in Panera tomorrow. Could be, hello, at the Starbucks. Hello? But you got to see, you got to see different. You got to believe that our steps are ordered of the Lord and the Lord directs us. And you got to be sensitive to His Spirit. Can you hear His voice? Can you hear Him telling you if you'll say something to them? I've already been working on their heart. I've already been getting it ready for you to say, my God loves you. I'm, not, I'm telling you, I know what I'm telling you is the truth. I have been there. I've experienced it. I've watched God work. And I know you've responded and you've given. Now I want us to pray for the harvest. I want you to kind of look around, see a few seats near you that are empty. And I want you to begin to pray, God, I don't know who's going to be sitting there on the next service time. I don't know who's going to be sitting there. I don't know who's going to fill up these empty chairs. But God, I feel it happening. You're talking to somebody out there in my neighborhood tonight. You're talking to maybe a family member. You're talking to backsliders. Prodigals are on their way back. It's happening all across the country. Prodigals are coming back. And Antioch has had I don't know how many prodigals that are out there somewhere. But there is a spirit of God. It's calling. It's calling. That's it. Pray. Let a burden get a hold of you. Let a burden begin to pray through you. Let the Holy Ghost begin to pray. Romans chapter 8 tells us, We know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. That's it. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Holy Ghost take your prayers and reach outside of these walls and touch hungry hearts. Jesus, Jesus, touch our hearts, move in our hearts even now. Let there be a word spoken into our spirits, O oh God, that this is your day, your world, your time. This is your people. Maybe as you feel it, you want to step out and come to this altar. And you want to come with a vision. You see somebody out there being moved, having a dream, given a vision by God. And they're making their way in their heart already. They've already, they're deciding, I'm going to go give my life to Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's it, just raise your hands. Tell God, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you care. I believe you're working. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Aleluya, aleluya, aleluya. Y Oh yes, let the Spirit begin to tell you, here they come, here they come, here they come. Y callato more, shatere de ye 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 ya bababo sandaratatai, sharida la 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 ye yo yo ro toro lo lo bo sandaratai, tarada. That's it. That's it. Pray, 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 pray. Connect with Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Hashando, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Isha tataya ke toro tororo sarida baba baba shando lame karete soro tororo lobodera baba sitarayatai. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. God has his hand upon his body. God has his hand upon this church. God has his hand upon the individuals in this church. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Do not despair. Don't give in to the depression. Know that God is at work. God is at work. Even while the enemy is lying, even while the enemy is working so hard to keep the church from being successful, the Spirit of God is moving. He's challenging. He's calling. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Itamo Shandoro. Koroto Tedabahasatai.